Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, based in Scotland, which is home to maybe one of the poorer international teams, but we do have one of the greatest fullbacks around, Michael Smith, who can rack them up, bang them in against mighty Germany. So if, no matter how bad it gets, we can always fall back on that. Can't we, Mark Donaldson? No, not really, because A, <laughs> he's not Scottish, and, and B, Northern Ireland is, is losing. So you probably spent 20 minutes prior to this podcast being recorded wondering what witty retort you were going to begin with, and that was the outcome. Okay. Look, I've, I've not got much to work with, okay? The only, the only, the only bright spot in my evening has been seeing the clip of Michael Smith scoring a spectacular goal against Germany, and of course they're gonna lose in the end. But distracts from the likes of Scotland, who, as we speak, I believe, are, are losing to Kazakhstan. I, I say I believe because I, I daren't watch Scotland these days. It's, it's bad enough having to watch Hearts. I wonder what the choice of our listeners is this evening out of three options if they're not at Hamden the choice is thus one watch Scotland Kazakhstan on TV two watch two charlatans debating with Julie Etchingham on ITV about what would happen when they one of them ends up being the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom or see something else it's not it's not exactly thrill a minute is it I mean what a choice that is. Watching <laughs> Scotland losing at home to Kazakhstan. My friends have just sent me a message. This would be peak Scotland because there was an article in The Guardian um, saying that the, the world anti-doping um, organization WADA is contemplating um, looking further into doping allegations um, that would see the Russians kicked out of uh, Euro 2020, so all that would mean was Scotland would need a draw at home to Kazakhstan to finish third in a group, and we'd lose that. That would be peak Scotland. Then you've got the two idiots on ITV, and uh, you know what? I wouldn't surprise me if C was the main choice for most, because options A and B are not exactly inspiring, are they? Right, well... We should probably have some focus on what on earth these two idiots are going to talk about, which is, of course, Artem Midlothian Football Club. Um, and it's International Weekend. It's a struggle, isn't it, sometimes when it's been International Weekend. As as much as we, we mump and moan about our, our football clubs, it's just not the same when we don't get to mump and moan about the latest game. So... I am Laurie Dunsire, I got there eventually, joined by Mark Donaldson for... Oh yes, hello. For, hello, for this episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. We're going to talk managers. Uh, I know we spoke about them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's obviously been some more names uh, thrown out there. We don't quite know uh, which ones uh, are, are maybe genuine candidates right now, or you know which ones the bookies are just throwing in there to try and encourage a, a few bets here and there. But we'll talk about some of the names which have come up uh, since we last touched upon the manager situation and um, we're also going to have a look at the Hearts accounts very briefly. We're not going to dissect them and pretend we're financial experts but this is another thing that has come out since we've last spoken so I thought it would be worthwhile to do that. 
and also to look ahead to Hart's upcoming game away to Kilmarnock this weekend. So before we get into uh, the topics for this week, I thought it would be good to tidy up some things from last week, Mark. So first of all, you were involved in your ceremony, your citizenship ceremony, or has it got an official name? I can't remember. Um, on Thursday. So, mm. well, first, how did that go? And second, how did the the next item on your <laughs> on your to do list that day go? Because you were due to commentate, and you hadn't planned very well for all this, had you? Um. <laughs> okay. First of all, it's called the naturalisation ceremony, which I didn't know, but apparently that's what it's called. Well, there you go. And it went... is an official name. Okay. Yeah, it, it it went fine. Thank you. So. I have to give you kudos for the title of last week's podcast. <laughs> I thought that was very clever. Star Spangled Banter. See, I, come up with the, I come up with a good one when I can think about it for half an hour after we've gone off air. Not, not, not so good off the cuff. <laughs> so the story last week was doing ESPN FC digital hits with Shaka Hislop, who is an American citizen, uh, having got his naturalization ceremony done many years ago. So I said to him, how long does this thing take? And he said, Oh, about two and a half hours. I said, no, no, it can't. Why is that? I said, because I'm meant to be doing Turkey Iceland at 12 and we're on air at 11.50 and the ceremony's at 8.30. I said, it's not two and a half hours. I said, ours was. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I kind of thought, well, I'm half an hour from work, Hartford to, to ESPN. So, ooh. So I'm thinking, okay, well, my surname starts with D. Hopefully they'll, uh, they'll, they'll do it by alphabetical order and we'll, we'll get out of there nice and quick. So I got there at like 8.20 for the 8.30 ceremony. And the security guys, because it's a government building, were like, oh, no, no, no hurry, no hurry. Don't, it's okay, don't, don't worry, because the, there was a big line of people who were about to uh, to go through the citizenship ceremony as well. And I'm like, what do, what do you mean, no hurry? He goes, oh, no, the judge doesn't get here till 9.30. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, what now? Wait, the, the judge doesn't get there till 9.30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? I said, well, okay, I'm meant to be somewhere at like 11.50. Oh, that'll be cutting it fine. I said, I don't need <laughs> you to tell me that. Uh, so so anyway, the, we, we were sat in the, the courthouse um, from 8.25, and they didn't do it by alphabetical order. They did it reverse alphabetical order. Um, I, oh, sorry, no, they didn't. They did it by, by country. So because I was um, from the United Kingdom... You, I was pretty much the last. Me and my wife were pretty <laughs> Yemen, um, even Venezuela got ahead of us. Only Yemen, Zambia, and somewhere else were behind us. Every, and I was like, oh, no, this, this isn't good. <laughs> so, long story short, judge came in, sat down, was really sincere, was brilliant, but crucially was rapid. I was at work for 11 o'clock. So what would have happened if you... If you if it came to it and you were like right I'm either going to stay here to get my to be naturalised uh, or this sounds ominous isn't it or um or I'm gonna or I'm gonna go at the game what would you have had so, to so pick no, okay let's get into this then so five minutes before the judge Do you fail your naturalisation if no, you don't stay well <laughs> here's the deal five minutes before the judge sat down. The clerk of the court came in and said, okay, anybody who needs to go to the toilet, go now. You will not be allowed to leave until the judge has the court in recess. 
So once you sit down, once the judge <laughs> comes in, you cannot leave to go to the toilet. Otherwise, you will be in contempt of court. <laughs> oh, no, like, boy. And so, so there was a hand that popped up. But what, what happens if we need to? No, you cannot leave until <laughs> everybody has received their certificate. And uh, wait a minute. Uh, United Kingdom, you. So the judge came in and he, go, and he was a he was big smile on his face. He goes, this is a highlight of what I do. He says, normally I send people to jail or I, I'm with a jury or whatever. He says, I love seeing smiley face. And I'm thinking, okay, good. Quick, just be, be quick. And he said, once you've received your certificate, you're, mate, you're free to go. You can take photos because um, normally in a courthouse you're not allowed to. But because this is a naturalization ceremony, once I put the court in recess, you shall be allowed to take photos with me with your certificate. And then you may leave. And I'm like, oh, good. Very good. But it, 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 it normally, and this is what I, I found out subsequently, when my friend who's in Seattle said, oh, did you get the, the video from Trump? I'm like, no, why? He goes, oh, there was a 25-minute video that we had to sit through from Trump welcoming us and saying how much. I said, no, we didn't get that. They've stopped it because people were not booing it, but they were just bored and falling asleep <laughs> during it. So you now get a letter from Trump from the White House on an envelope signed by him congratulate, congratulating you on being an American citizen instead of a 25-minute video. All Everything just fell into place. So when I went outside, I looked to the sky and just muttered a little thank you because that had the potential to be an utter shit show. And what would have happened had I left? I wasn't allowed to leave unless in an emergency because I would have been in contempt of court. Thankfully, I was working with a colleague, Matteo Bonetti, who I do the Italian games with, and he can also commentate. If I'd been working with Stevie Nichol or Shaka <laughs> or Craig Burley, they couldn't have commentated. I didn't phone them. This is... Different people, whoever's listening to this, when you've got an issue, do you do you phone people in advance and warn them? I'd sent an email to my producer saying, look, I should be there by 11. Didn't elaborate. Less is more. But you and, and everyone listening to this, do you kind of put plans in place beforehand and potentially worry people? Or do you just kind of let it play out and hope and then make the call if the shit hits the fan? contingency or, or not hmm. yeah well let's let's just move on oh okay i didn't expect that story to be so long but i'm i'm, I'm glad you were both naturalized and um, <laughs> it's 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 something always, neutralized. i know it sounds too close to neutralize is it it does it sounds like yeah, the, and, and it, a nice word nice. that some cult uses when they go and yeah, know. you're about to be naturalized. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, the game was rubbish as well. Yeah, it was one of that. these. Uh, yeah, I, I, Iceland needed a win, uh, and it was the old 75 minutes. Turkey weren't really committing too many bodies forward. They had a decent chance through Barak Yilmaz, and and that was where. And then they pushed the gamble button late on. It was an unbelievable clearance off the line. But it's usually these weird games. It's, you can't play to to not win a game but not lose a game. It's weird. And it was, it was poor, but the the day ended fine. The the day ended fine, and uh, yeah, and, and and now it's about now it's about hearts and and a weekend where you you went to watch Dunbar United. I did. I did. Yes. How was that? Um, it, it was it was fine. It was it was a good day out and night out. Um, ended in a very long a long one. Um, out in East Lothian and then back to Edinburgh, but. 
the actual so it was, it was a bit of a miserable day in the end in terms of weather so enjoyed Dunbar went to I think the Eagle first of all and there was a decent enough pub there was a good dog you know you've it's a good a good pub dog that comes and plays with you and stuff like that. Oh, you and Murray doesn't doesn't like that. He he doesn't like dogs and pubs. Ah, okay. Well, I I, I quite like it in a, a little local place like that. Um, nice social. I think, I think town should have an exception. I'm with you. I, I, yeah, I you wouldn't want a like night pick. out up uptown in Edinburgh. <laughs> well, dogs <laughs> kicking about, but. I'm, look, there's a gag that we could easily go there, but but we oh, won't. Yes. Out, but we out, won't. Out, we, we out shall respect. not. Um, but a town, a town or a village pub, should should all should all allow dogs because you've got to have the local fire, the old crown inn in Pennycook. You've got the roaring log fire. You've got the dog by his master's side. Uh, yeah, but just once it becomes a city, no dogs allowed in bars. If I was prime minister, that would be that would be my number one rule. There you go. <laughs> Well, they've got they've got like a social club at the kind of sports centre okay. where, where the where the ground is, um, with a pitch. So we went down there, you know, so a few drinks and stuff. Um, I'll be honest, it wasn't a very good game, and I only watched half of it because uh, it was very wet and there wasn't a lot of cover. So we kind of went in at half time, and one of the three of us who were there said, "I'm definitely going to go out and watch the game," and we're like, "Oh, we're right behind you. We've still got half a pint here." And about five minutes later, like, should we just get another one? It's absolutely pissing down. <laughs> so we stayed in for the, the second half. We did miss two red cards in the second half and an equaliser for Trenent. So it ended one apiece. Um, and we got, <laughs> I bumped into someone who, who I know, um, who does a bit of work for Hearts as well. And it's, it's quite funny. It's one of these games, and you get it quite often with local and even lower league games, where, you know, fans are mixed together and players are... Are very close to the side of the pitch. So, whilst at lots of bigger matches, all the voices and angry shouts and that just kind of merge into noise. When you're at these games, they don't so much. And there was a a, a hard tackle between uh, Trinette and Dunbar players. It was the Dunbar player who was on the brunt of this one. He received the the sore one, and everyone was kicking off, and um, players weren't happy. And <laughs> The fans started having a little bicker between them because uh, someone had a, a go at the at the players on the ground, or maybe suggesting in not a very polite manner that um, he was uh, making the most of it. And then the guy in front of him told him basically to reel it in. That's his son he's talking about, <laughs> and um, it all got very amusing. I was kind of enjoying it from from afar or from about five yards away and you, you you get that kind of needle and I've, I've been to a few lower league games where you get that and the fans are in the same stand but often I think it was a four for Airdrie game once and there was this abuse going between the fans but without directing at each other like one would shout you know towards the pitch oh they're a bunch of diving you know whatever and the other one would be like ah <laughs> the dirty buggers ref and they, but they wouldn't direct it at each other they were just shouting towards the pitch, but with insults clearly directed at the other set of fans and what they were saying. So you get that entertainment level of it. The football itself, not so much. Um, and then we went. To you the... don't go for the football though, do you? Because no, like you go the, for the, pa- the pies are seventy-five p. You can smother them, smother them in brown sauce. If you get an assistant referee, you're usually three or four yards away from them, and they get subjected to some horrific vitriol. 
I wouldn't. I mean, what, what are they getting? They're getting like eighty quid for running the line. Even Oof, if you get yeah. an assistant referee at that level, because for many years, Pennycook just had the referee. And it's it's funny because a referee is going to try and adjudicate offside from like, and, and a lot of them can't keep up with the play. So it's total guesswork. Yeah. And the the the, the Raj Rab the Raj from from the local village is usually in line and just oh, he just utters some utter vitriol at the non-existent um, assistant referee because he knows it's offside, but the referee is just guessing. Or you get... <laughs> it's real football. Or you get amateur level where you you, you just get uh, someone on each side runs the line. So you've got one, one of the managers or coaches running one line and the other manager coaches, I say running the line, I mean they've got a flag in their hand. Um, and that always leads to some controversy when decisions maybe seem slightly... Slightly biased, but um, anyway, that's another thing. And we went to the there's a little um, micro pub right next to the station, Dunbar, a really small little place, got a, a fire, and it's very compact. It lives up to its name, but um, pretty, pretty cozy little. I, I, I liked it. I enjoyed Dunbar. I'd, I'd go back again. Um, but Ian Black was injured as well, so I didn't even. The only player who I would have recognised wasn't even there. So. so 15 15 minutes and we haven't spoken about hearts yet. right okay. okay yeah right there's the cleaning up tidying up all the nonsense from last week let's 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 talk about the real deal heart of midlothian so manager situation we spoke about the main candidates who, who came out for the hearts manager job last time um that was just you know within a, a day or two of the of the job becoming available um so I had a quick look earlier on, and you know, there's so many names being banded about. What I thought the easiest thing to do was look at the top four or five in the general odds at the moment. So we'll go through some of these because actually, the four or five who are now listed, um, if you look at the kind of compa- comparable odds on Odds Checker, um, weren't names that we spoke about first of all. So first up, Neil Warnock, seven to two. He's he's now the favourite with uh, most of the bookies for the Hearts job. Turns 71 next month. Left Cardiff just last week, of course. He'd spent three years there, one promotion to the Premier League with him. He's been managing since the 80s, so he's certainly been round the block. Um, 144 games at Cardiff, 59 wins, 29 draws, 56 defeats. Not too bad, considering they had a season in the top flight. And he's a character, I suppose. Um Likes a lot of fight, physicality, passion about his teams. Quite direct, but but attacking quite often. It's certainly when I've I've seen his teams in recent years. It's an it's an interesting one. He would certainly tick a few boxes, Mark, when it comes to what we've talked about. You know, a big name. Yes, he's a very recognisable name, certainly in the United UK managerial scene. Uh, lots of experience. Obviously not any experience managing here in Scotland, but I, I, he strikes me as the type of person who would keep an eye on certain things in Scotland. Obviously, he's had a lot of involvement with Callum Patterson at Cardiff. Not the not the worst suggestion in the world, I would say. What, what, what would How would you feel about Neil Warnock? Just before we started this, I said, who do you want as Hearts boss? And both of us were like... Not really sure. There's no one that really stands out. So, so Neil Warnock, 70 years old, a couple of weeks turned 71, as you mentioned. He's, two things. 
one, you're going to get two, maybe three years max out of them. Are we looking for someone that, that is that what we want? Uh, are we looking for someone that, that can put a plan in place and and uh, and be that kind of person to, to take it forward? Would he be best or suited to a sporting director? And this is what we have to talk about as well. Um, a lot of these guys, Alan Irvin was another one. Uh, I mean, I think I think Warnock's more a manager. So, so he's probably better suited for that role. He's going to want to be involved. If, if, he, if, if, he, if he doesn't if he, want he, someone telling yeah. him what to do. He's, he, you know, he this, we've 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 looked in this sport. The way they're looking at the sporting director role is, um, from my understanding, and certainly when I've spoken to people, is so the sporting director role. Of, you're not going to be involved in the managing of the first team, the training of the first team match day or, or anything like that you'll be looking at the football department as a whole and um, you'll have i think they'll have some involvement in negotiating contracts whether it's for targets or whether it's for existing players so they'll have an input in that so there will probably be an input in um maybe transfer policy to a degree in terms of here here's the 10 players that the managers highlighted f- that they want this summer and they go okay well I can maybe look at five of those. Five of those aren't realistic, you know, and maybe discuss alternatives, but directly not too involved in what's going on with the management of the first team. And Neil Warnock is someone who you think of as, you know, a big man manager as well. So part of his big, I think, is certainly what you would get in recent years is what he gets out of players in terms of, um, you know, passion, um, you know, playing for him, getting that unit, getting that kind of solidarity, that fight with him. Not a tactical genius by any by any stretch, but certainly has a style, I would say, direct and physical, which might, again, suit some of what Hearts have on their books just now. But I, I couldn't see him wanting to just oversee a football department and not be involved in those first-team players. That's uh, fair. But that, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know him. I yeah, don't, yeah, that's fair. He's a manager. You're, you're not going to... He started off in 1980 as a, co- uh, as a manager... And he's been one ever since, um, with the exception of, of kind of one or two times when he was when he was out of the game. But he's always been a he's always been a manager. I'm looking at two things, two two things as, as whether they're most important or certainly up there. Can he or she improve players, and does he or she have modern ideas as well as nice? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, just continue. <laughs> um, so, can Neil Warnock improve players? Yeah, he probably can. Does he have modern ideas? Probably not. Do you have to have both? Do you rule someone out if they don't have both? What, what is well, what's what do we what do we mean by modern ideas? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's it's, the... it's, it's totally it's totally subjective. The reason I, I bring that in, and I'm glad we we start with Neil Warnock, is due to this thing called hypocrisy. And both of us, well, sorry, I'll speak for myself. I have been guilty <laughs> of hypocrisy. I don't want to put you in it, but you're guilty <laughs> by association of seeing one thing and then at a later date, it's like, it's, I mean, it, it totally follows on from the poli- political debate earlier when they say what people want to hear and then when they're, they're fact-checked or, or whatever, they'll, they'll bluff. The, the hypocrisy comes in here in that when Craig Levine was in charge first time around, um, it, it, was, it was fine. It was, it was relatively successful. It wasn't the most attractive, but... We, we found a way to get results because 
he he knew the style of of play mm-hmm. that he wanted to play, and it was effective at the time. But it it was also not on vogue, but it it worked. When he came back, and I was thinking about this earlier today, um, having listened to Peter Grant, who's just he's very difficult to listen to, and that it's like if you've not if you've not played the game or you haven't been down to England or whatever, your opinion isn't valid. That that that's that's nonsense. Um, but but when Craig Levine came back, um, for anybody that says we should be more patient with him, nothing was going to change. It doesn't matter what; it's going to be the same tactics, and and there needs to be a, a type of modernity of, of of whether it's these tactics or whatever. You you've I mean, football's changed, and I'm not just talking about what's a foul and, and what's not. Goalkeepers, goalkeepers used to use their hands, and that was it. And they'd kick the ball Henry Smith style, puff out the cheeks, and then kind of yeah, it's different now. Goalkeepers an eleventh footballer. That that's what you have to be. The laws that were changed and tweaked in the summer, when you can now play the ball to a defender inside the box while the opposition have to wait outside. It's all different. It's all different, and you have to be look. If if Craig Levine had shown an ability to be able to. Um, modernise, then he might not have been out of work right now as far as a manager is, is concerned, but we never saw it. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who is is with the times. He's a kind of sign of the times, but he's also someone who can... I think improving the players is, is the most important thing. I, I'll always go back to Brendan Rodgers, and wherever he's been, he has improved his players. And there are many other examples at a lesser level. The other thing I want to mention is... No matter what or who uh, Anne Budge decides to do or decides to appoint, there's going to be apathy among some. But what are you really after as your next Hearts manager? Are you after someone you've heard of? Well, most people would tick that box. If Anne Budge or whoever is, uh, whoever else is in, in charge of, of doing this, if they come up with someone that is, is hardly anybody's heard of, people are going to be like, who? It could be the best appointment. We we don't know. So yeah. are we after are we after someone who is a big name? Well, they're a big name like Neil Warnock because we've heard of them. They're a big name like Ian Holloway. You look at what they have achieved. Have they achieved Warnock and Holloway? Uh, have they done better than they should have done? Have they done poorer than they should have done? He might not have won much, Neil Warnock, but look at the teams that he's been with. He won mm-hmm. the championship, and that's about it. Was he expected to have won more with the teams? That he managed, because you can't just say, "Well, he didn't win anything at Leeds." A, a lot of a lot of managers have tried at Leeds and, and okay. have been a failure. So, what what are we after here? Okay, well, a quick sidebar before I continue. Stephen Naismith has just put Scotland ahead, captain of Scotland, and he's just scored and put them ahead. Means nothing to those, I guess, when you're listening to this, because you probably know it and you know what transpires at the end. But I just wanted to put it out there: two heart scorers, at least two hearts international scorers tonight. Um. So now we're all cheering on WADA, yes? Yeah, just, I just wanted to put the hypocrisy after there about me being absolutely miserable at the start and saying, oh, uh, Scotland are rubbish, I don't want to talk about this. Michael. And to say, well, Scotland are great, Stephen Naismith scored. I, I still don't think Scotland are great, but I like to see Hearts players do well. Hopefully yeah, now got, uh, hopefully now course. he gets substituted before he gets injured. Yeah, well, I don't know if James... I mean, I'm not watching it, to be honest. It's, I mean, I could, I could find it, but I'd rather, I'd rather do this with you. That's why we chose this time. Um, I don't know if James Forrest came out for the second half. He took a dull one. 
Uh, we just want it, we want everyone to come through, but and, and then we want WADA to chuck Russia out the Olympics and the Euros, so we we qualify automatically because Russia get kicked out. So that'll be December the 9th, We will find out okay. if, if there's any truth to that story. Okay. Yeah. So 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 Warnock, I'd, I'd consider him. Well, what I was going to say, what I was going to say, just with what you what you've been talking about there, and this is something I've heard talked about and debated both on online and um, in other circles, the approach here. So, you know, Hibs, Hibs, have, Hibs have taken on Jack Ross, which was who was one of the candidates for the Hearts job as well. And I think Hibs, I think it, it, it seemed a good fit, to be honest, from what Hibs were looking at as well. A few people are saying the problem with Hearts is there is such a mix of candidates and there doesn't seem to be any kind of direction about what they're doing. Now, I, I think Anne kind of set the tone a little bit for this at the start though, by saying they're casting the net kind of far and wide and they I think paraphrasing they want to see what's out there and who they could potentially get before which is fair which is a natural way you know you do that you would do that with a job normally anyway you know you, you wouldn't necessarily know a group of people who would take a job I know football is slightly different because it's obviously in the public eye but you, you cast a net out there I get I, I understand that now I guess there's maybe a point where you'd want to start seeing these things narrowed down. I'm not too concerned about the kind of the variety here of what we're seeing. Um, I guess. Wait a minute, Laurie. Laurie, this is all being played out in the media. You're yeah, saying yeah, you, you yeah, want yeah. you want you want to see you want to see things being being narrowed down. Hearts have a process, okay? The process. No, no, I don't. So... I mean, I, I'm saying all I'm all I'm merely putting out there. I don't really have a problem so much because I'm interested to see what's out there as well. And we also yeah, don't. We course, also don't of, know of because course. not everything's necessarily coming out into the public either. But that, that's that's the there's thing. a lot of debate and criticism. I don't think at this stage, maybe rightly, because we're not. We we said it'd be a longer process. Who's, who's criticizing? No, I I just mean in the general debates no, of not, both media not, yeah, and yeah, fans. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not having a go at you. I'm just saying. Who's criticising? I guarantee you that everyone who's criticising doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. Oh no, because I don't. I don't think many people do. We we have we know, we know certain things. We know some people have been interviewed, and we know. So some what, what right but, is it? What yeah. right do they have to criticise? As as far if you don't have all the if you don't have all the evidence or know exactly what's going on, you, you can, you can criticise as a human being. I mean, you, everyone's entitled to to an opinion and free speech. But just because it's not happening as quick as you would have liked, would you rather go for for a quick option that might happen to be the wrong one? Look, we, we will judge them once the appointment is made, and we will judge based on the mm-hmm. quote from Ann Budge. I do, uh, sorry, I want to ensure we get a very experienced and high-profile manager. Yeah. You look at some of the names that you're about to go through and how many of them are very experienced, a lot of them, how many of them are high-profile, a lot of them. But if we don't get that, and mm-hmm. Anne's come out and said that that's what they're looking for, what does that tell us? Yeah, and I under I understand, and I felt it maybe a little bit. And I think you know, it's hard to say you can't criticise at all, because football fans have always got a bit, I guess, uh, are never going to get necessarily the full picture, because you never see what happens in dressing rooms and in boardrooms and necessarily exactly what's going on. And I think I was, at first, I was maybe slightly concerned, just generally, just where we're going with this, but... I guess one thing which I think is quite important is when you think back to the fact that we had this model in place, and we've talked about it before, and both of us, I think, were on the same page in terms of this whole 
model of here's one guy in charge and one idea of doing things and we're going to bring through coaches and we're all going to fit into the same model, the same way of play. I, I think it was a, I don't think it was ever destined to work long term. Even though that maybe you can argue the Robbie Nielsen thing worked, football changes, players change. You, you, you kind of just have to move for the times. And I, I think what my opinion is, what we're looking at, and I was thinking, right, well, we put this whole model in place with one guy at the top and dictating the the styles and how, you know, the, even how the coaches and managers are kind of looked at and brought through. It didn't work. So now we're just looking at, well, who else is going to come in and say, well, this is my style. This is how I'm going to do things. So I think I don't mind it as such. I mean, I didn't want to debate the sporting director position because I really don't know where that's going at all. So, and you know, there's not really many names linked with it. But in terms of the managerial position, the next one in line in the terms of the odds, and I know you've got to take odds with a pinch of salt, but we needed something to give us uh, some names from, uh, is one that interests me a bit. Uh, Daniel Stendhal. Um, the 45-year-old German, former striker, so obviously a fair bit younger, um, fair bit more um, inexperienced in terms of his managerial career. Uh, started at Hanover in 96, lasted around a year, didn't actually have a bad win rate there. Um, 50%? 50%, not too bad. Uh, moved to Barnsley, so this is where it gets, I guess, especially more interesting from a, a Hearts point of view, because when you move to the UK, I guess you maybe see the style as a bit more applicable. Moved there last year, led them to promotion from League One. Now, he went on a 10-game winless run and was sacked, but that was very unpopular with the Barnsley fans. And um, Barnsley have this interesting moneyball approach, um, obviously similar to the baseball approach, with, uh, with uh, what's-his-face, his name just eluded me, who actually was involved. Um, you know what I mean? What's his name? Moneyball. Billy Bean, uh, that's it. Billy, Billy Bean, Bean yeah. yeah. Billy Bean. So he's actually involved at Barnsley. So um, I'm not going to get into the the depth of that, but they have a certain model as well that they that they run to. Um, but he's it's not it's not. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get too much into he's how not he manages, a sexy but, name. But but is he not? I mean, I mean, you look at all I really know about him is he's he was quite popular with fans in Barnsley. I, I guess he's he fits that. <laughs> The typical kind of what we think of now, the typical German style with Jurgen Klopp, etc., with that high, high pressing style, the gegen press. Um, so, I guess maybe on a, a popular approach, it's maybe what a, a, a one that's fashionable just now. But I've not watched his team, so I'm not going to pretend to have a lot of knowledge on how his teams look to to me. But it's not a name that I would look at and go totally discount based on his kind of short CV, it's one that, you know, if he came in for an interview and impressed, and I don't think fans would be, I'm not saying they'd be, you know, delighted necessarily, unanimously delighted, but I I don't think that would be a bad one on paper, you know. Right right now, there isn't one name that's going to have uniformity of of acceptance. I'd be Uh, interested, it would would intrigue me, that, that one, it would intrigue me. The fact that the Barnsley, yeah. the fact that Barnsley fans, because usually it's the other way around. You know, you saw it at Hearts. Usually, by the time a manager goes, you know, if it's a manager getting sacked, not leaving because another club comes in for them, usually the fans have already had enough by the time he goes. It's the board that usually take a bit longer in these things generally. But the fact that the fans were not happy with him going, 
it says a lot for what was maybe actually being produced on the park and they were you know they had one promotion so they were a, a step up from where he was when he took over so again you know we're we're, we're doing this with a small amount of i guess knowledge about certain candidates because you know we're not going to sit and and watch barnsley matches well i certainly don't have time for that um for, for days on end because he might be someone who's linked but all i mean is it's, it's one that would certainly intrigue me if if, if he became a, a proper a, a candidate who we knew was interested or we knew was being considered which we don't at this stage it's just the odds so i said he wasn't a sexy name that that will be enough for some people to say nah not for me i like this call I like this shout. I, I did a little bit of deep digging. Okay. Um, Barnsley websites and, and whatever. They liked the way he played. They liked the way he managed. Mm-hmm. The players liked him. Um, and it was it was a bit messy in the end, whereby they went 10 without a win. And yeah. we, we, we see today, Laurie, that patience and football have always had a tenuous relationship. But now the game's gone. And Pochettino, who reached the Champions League final in May, Mm-hmm. Is now being fired by Spurs in November. Does, the game does, is gone. Is he in, is he in the running? Nah, or, <laughs> nah. I think you'll go to Bayern. I think. Anyway, Stendhal, I, I like this. I like this. Uh, something a little bit different. We, if you're not going to get a hundred people, sorry, a hundred percent of of kind of agreement on a name, you're going to get. And, and don't get me wrong. Some people will want Warnock. Some some people will, will want Holloway. Um, I, I, Stendhal's I think, very different it, it, you know, on, on paper yeah, from, from, right. oh, from like okay. a Warnock yeah. so, so right I, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate some Hearts fans would be like too much of a gamble but like Cathro well no it, it, it's not Cathro had never managed before Cathro's a coach and a very good one at that yeah. the players like Cathro but he's, he'll never be a manager I, I don't think because I think he's found his niche yeah. under Nuno Espirito Santo so it's not similar to Cathro. Any appointment's a gamble. You know, Warnock's never managed in Scotland before, if you want to go down that road. So for those to say, oh, it's a bit too much like but like Cathro, he has managed. He managed in the Bundes... Well, he, he, yeah, he managed in the Bundesliga um, for Hanover and, and then at Barnsley. Now, he doesn't have much of a managerial career, so yes, he's, he's on the gamble side of, of, of things, but anybody we appoint is going to be a, a, a gamble. Personally... I made it clear a couple of weeks ago. I would have gone for Jack Ross. Now, they clearly decided that they wanted to see what else was out there, and, and Jack, quite rightly, went, went off to Hibs. I would say good luck to him if it was any other club, but <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, he's on my shortlist, Daniel Stendhal, for, yep. for just being a little bit different and, and playing some nice football as well, because it's been a while. Uh, Robbie Nielsen had us playing some good football, um, but... I think with the players that we've got, we, we've got a good template of players. Mm-hmm. And I think with his style, a lot of the Barnsley fans on message boards and whatever were saying he improved the players that they had. Yeah. That's the kind of play, uh, manager I'm looking for. So I'd certainly have him on a short list. Okay, interesting. Next up, and I'll, I'll, on the current odds, which I, I think is a bizarre one, I think it's one that's been thrown in by bookmakers, is Paul Ince at 7-1. to one. Um Obviously, a fantastic footballer uh, as a player back in his day, 52 now, hasn't managed for almost six years. In the last nine, he's managed Notts County and Blackpool, mutual, mutually consented from County after losing a record nine games in a row and left Blackpool after less than a year, winning uh, almost one in four over that time. 
don't I don't see why that would even be a consideration. He's obviously managed maybe a, a reasonably big club in Blackburn, but you know, talking a decade ago or something, it just to me not one even worth really going into just now. I would, but unless I'm being naive and thinking, well, maybe he's attracted interest because he's a he is a big name in football generally. I would be I would be amazed if he hasn't applied for every job. Maybe maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe triple digits of of, of jobs. Um, not not for me. What I would also say, of all the bets that I've had in my life, I think I've had one successful next manager bet. <laughs> it is the most volatile. Odds mean absolutely I think I know nothing. which one that was as well. Uh, which one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Inside training, was it? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, no, Paul Wentz, not for me. Um, uh, the next one is... I don't think you can even bet much on on managers, can you? I never do it, but I'm pretty. You know, they not always limit the the steps. Yeah, you, to you, usually because they think they think you know something. Oh, I've, I've honestly, I have heard so many whispers about. Oh, is it, even Hearts managers. There's there's very little gets out w- within enough time for you to get on and and win money. I mean, you you look at Skybet, a prop of Skybet. I think they must have they must have about fifty names. All of whom are either fifty to one or shorter. Come on, they just want someone. They just want to take your they, tenor. They would and, and Sky Skybet would give odds on like me and you being the next hearts. They would just put it in there. Just put it like a which, three. Which, which is fine. I mean, ends three. So they've got Neil Warnock at twos, ends at three, Stuart McCall at three, whereas ends is seven to one with Victor Chandler. It's, no yeah. one knows. That, 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 that's the bottom line. And well, that's why they, they limit you to 25, 50 quid or, or, or whatever, depending yeah. on, on who it is. Well, we'll, 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 still, we'll, talk about the, we'll talk about a couple more of the names anyway that came up. The next one was certainly one that his, his name's come up in the press as well, which is probably where the odds have come from. Uh, Alan Irvin, 8 to 1, who's um 61 year old Scott, a winger in his playing days, not a player that I saw. Um, He's been assistant or caretaker at his last three clubs, which were Blackburn, Norwich and West Ham. His last full job was West Brom in 2014, where he only lasted seven months. Um, They were struggling, but he was in the Premier League at that point. Did reasonably well at at Preston, um, led him to the playoffs uh, before hitting kind of a rough patch. Um, Always one that comes to my mind for his work at the Everton Academy. I know he's quite well regarded there and his, his coaching side of things um he's one who you think wouldn't you know he obviously played in scotland he is scottish it kind of reminds it's a bit of a steve clark-esque type of candidate when he um when he went to when he went to killy because i thought that you know oh, that's a good that's a big name to a point but not necessarily from his managerial point of view but the fact that quite highly regarded in what he's done whether he's been a coach or an assistant or or working in the youth academy the interesting one with this one is he's been touted. Well, I, well, I've seen him touted for both the sporting director and the and the managerial job. Um, he's obviously his managerial pedigree in recent years is not is not much. Although I said you know he's done okay in the past, but certainly one who I'd be interested in seeing what if he did come up as an actual proper candidate at the club we're looking or discussing with him because you think he'd have something to offer. Just again based on on, on what people have said about who have worked with him just you know just the general feedback and i know he was always very highly thought of around everton 
this screams sporting director to me. Yeah. Stephen Na- Stephen Naismith is is I believe from what I've read uh, put a good word in for him to the upper echelon of of the football club to uh, assuming he has been interviewed. And that, by the way, going back to the whole process of people, uh, I say people, the, 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 those aren't happy that they've not made a quick appointment. They're, they're doing it thoroughly and they're doing it so that they interviewed those out of a job first. So there wasn't a kind of yeah. having to get compensation or whatever. And now apparently they're interviewing those who are, are, are in a job. So that, that takes a bit longer. Arvin, for me, again, we're, we're speaking, you can only comment on something um, if you know something about it. Because you want, you want to come into it from a perspective of at least you know what you're talking about. I don't know enough about Alan Irvin. I've, I've, I've read about him. I, I knew we were going to be chatting about this today. Um, but I've, I've read enough to suggest that I wouldn't want him as my manager because I, I, I think he'd have to hit the ground running. And if yeah. the fixtures that we've got, that's that's not going to be easy. So I, he, he looks like he would work, depending on what they want him to do as a sporting director or what they want anyone to do as a, as a sporting director. He, for me... Would would certainly be one who would take the that. Yes, yeah. I mean, and his experience, you know, working um, with you know the, the youth department as well, you know, a, a bigger club than Hearts would would maybe fit in with the fact that you know the football that side of the football department having some influence in that away from the first team side. So no, I I agree. He just he's he's a name that you think oh he. I've 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 heard his name mentioned a lot of times in the past. Managerially, hasn't done much in recent years, but could be a useful person to to talk to. Um, but as you say, there's no point in going into too much depth on it because you know, our knowledge is limited in terms of what we can discuss. The last one is one you mentioned there, whose name's come up a few times. Um, not quite thrown him right in the Paulins character, but it's not one that excites me too much it's 55 year old Stuart McCall who's 8 to 1 with a lot of them he's a lot shorter as you mentioned with some bookies um, last three jobs he was at Rangers of course in the championship very briefly had a second stint at Bradford and then was at Scunthorpe was replaced by Mark Warburton at Rangers although he only had 17 games at Ibrox uh, sacked by Bradford and Scunthorpe but He's obviously had some success in the past, you know, especially in Scotland with Motherwell. I thought he did very well with limited resources there at four years or so at Fir Park. Just, I, I don't. He's not one for me. I, I think in recent years he's he's not done very well managerially. I, I think he would be a, a person that you would appoint, and I think he would have. Not that you should base it completely on the reaction, but I think he would get a majority unhappy at that appointment, and he'd really have to, like you mentioned um, about another candidate, he'd really have to hit the ground running. I've heard positive things about Stuart McCall, but I've heard more negative things from players and from people who've had experiences of him that would make me uh, no, not interested. Okay, that's fine. So I thought it was useful to talk about a few more candidates. I don't want to sit and tell, ask you to Okay, well, no, in fact, I take that back. If you, and you don't, and this is just a game, and I know that we've, we're have we working in, you know, tidbits and limited info, if you had to choose a manager right now, if it was you who was making the decision, who would you pick? Just out of interest. I would have picked Jack Ross. Uh-huh. I would now pick Daniel Stendel. Okay. With a 
maybe a Neil McCann or a Gary Naismith or I think Neil McCann uh, could be a very good coach. I wouldn't have him as my manager yet, but okay. Um, but but again, would 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 I want or would he want to have more hands on mm-hmm. than just a, an assistant manager? So so, but my answer is Daniel Stendel. And you? I could go with that. I could. I think it would be important to. I think his coaching team would be important with that as well. So you had, like you mentioned, someone in there who, who who knows who knows the game a little bit. I, I, it's not as important as, as some people suggest overall, but I think I think it was important for Paolo. You know, he had Gary Locke around, not from a not necessarily from a, a tactical sense or anything like that, but just someone who knows the country, knows the game. I think that's quite useful. Um, I don't know what Daniel Stendhal is like. You know, I imagine being German, he probably has excellent English, and given he's managing Barnsley, I don't think communication will be a problem. But yeah, his coaching team would would I guess come into it quite a bit. I could go with that. I could. There's, go a, good, with there's a good there's a good article um, that that I read earlier about Daniel Stendhal from the Guardian, uh, pretty much a year ago. He's got two German coaches as his assistants, Andreas Winkler and Christopher Stern. Again, names that that mean very little to. To, to anybody um, probably listening to this podcast, but that that would be the other the other thing. If we are going for a clean break and a, a fresh approach, rather than a Neil McCann or a Gary Naismith, because people would say, well, wh- why them? Just because they've played for Hearts. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, I think it's it's easy enough once you make an appointment. If you appoint someone like Daniel Stendel, I think it's easy enough to. If you want to appease some or want to have some sort of hearts connection, I think there's plenty out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, David Weir would be someone who was Mark Warburton's assistant um, for many years, who I believe did not go with him to, to QPR. And I believe David Weir's doing some stuff for Brentford. Um, so, so, and from all accounts or by all accounts, a, a very good coach. Um, so you could go for someone like that as well. Or you could go for just Andreas Winkler and Christopher Stern um, and, and just have a totally... It would be intriguing. I think if I'm a player at Hearts and, and he puts on a good session and, and they have his respect, and I think I think that would be interesting. So I think you've got options both ways of, of ex-Hearts or, yeah. or just a total clean break. In, intriguing. That I think there's a lot of intrigue with yes. an appointment like that. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, well, we'll see how it transpires. And of course... If if you have any um, more candidates you want us to to look at next time, or if you want to have your own say, then you know do message us because you know we're working with pretty much the same information that you'll all have out there in the in, on the interweb and such like. So it is interesting to see what people think, and if there are any other candidates that jumped out that maybe haven't been looked at before. So yeah, give us a tweet at around the funnel. Or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Hearts will be back in action this weekend after a little break for the international weekend. You say the weekend, it barely even feels like international weekend sometimes because Scotland end up playing before the weekend and then after the weekend, which is always a bit rubbish, I think. I know there were a lot of games, but when there's not... There's not a single game on Saturday or Sunday. No, I, th- I just think uh, I'm going off topic, and I, I know I, we love a tangent. But do you think that's just e- taken even more away from international football? I know I barely care about it now, anyway. But the fact that your country doesn't even play on the Saturday and Sunday when it's international weekend. 
Yeah, that and, and that's a UEFA thing. You're playing on a Sunday night and various things. International football, for as long as Scotland don't qualify for a major tournament, is becoming an international version of the FA Cup. The FA Cup, when it reaches the semi-final and final, people are interested. International football, when it reaches major tournaments or playoffs for major tournaments or World Cups or Euros, is interesting. But apart from that, it's like the FA Cup now. And it's not just the apathy among supporters. And I don't know how many are at Hamden for this game that I'm not even watching. Um, they claimed there were 20,000 against San Marino, which was very generous. There's an apathy by all accounts among players as well. You see, look, the majority of the players who play in England, apart from the likes of John McGinn and a couple of others, um, your Andrew Robertson, your Ryan Fraser, your Kieran Tierney, the clubs are saying, what is it? They'll, they'll have them, they'll make them available for the playoff in March, which, which is great. But you're not picking and choosing when you want to play for your country. John McGinn has come out and said, look, I'd play for Scotland with a broken leg. He wants to be there. And there's a number of players that are like that. But I think there's a lot of clubs now, especially your Liverpools, your, your bigger clubs, are putting pressure on players uh, and just saying to them, no, Cyprus away. You don't want a four and a half, five hour flight and then come back. We've got a big game next weekend. So <laughs> international football, as far as clubs are concerned, is a menace. Indeed. I, I think I would still just rather go and watch Dunbar United or another non-league or lower league team I think that's what I think that's what a lot of people like to do as well I can, great, I can, I can well. understand that from from your generation and your age group because you've what age were you in 98 when 98. we last qualified yeah. um I would have I would 12 do you remember it vividly do you remember it oh yeah or is it kind quite of, well uh, quite well I mean I'd Euro 96 was the first tournament I had any interest in. Um, and I, I remember I remember 98 quite well. I remember because I got very excited by Scotland at that point. Uh, you know, the older I've got, the more I've not really cared about Scotland. At that point, I probably got excited about Scotland as much as I did Hearts. Um, you know, and that, that's they the both thing. seem like my teams, whereas now I'm yeah. a Hearts fan and Scotland are just the country that I'm, I'm kind of obliged to support, but probably won't even... I mean, I've not even watched the Scotland game for a while. See, I still, I still watch Scotland, but that's... It's harking, a, harking back to the when we were good stage. And I mean, I was born 77. I remember World Cup in 82. That was my kind of first memory because I was... Mum and Dad took us to Spain that summer and, and the whole World Cup fever was, was going on and the mascots. And that's not from a Scotland perspective because my first Scottish memory was was Mexico 86, but Scotland qualified in 82, 86, 90, 92 Euros, um, 96 Euros and 98. We only missed, um, I know we missed a few Euros, but we only missed one World Cup, and that was 94 when I was growing up. So I, I and those of us over 40 grew up thinking, okay, in four years' time, where's the World Cup? Because Scotland will be there. And there, there was that kind of um, enjoyment because we won a lot of more qualifiers, and and I, I still look out for them. I still want Hearts players and whoever doing well with whatever uh, country they're with. However, I, I can totally understand the apathy. If you were born, if you're of the generation that are like 18, 19, 20, and early 20s, you've, you've never seen Scotland at a major tournament. So you probably have very little interest. You, you, you look at the crowd that goes to Hamden now, these hardcore fans at the San Marino game and, and the Kazakhstan game this evening, um, 
apart from, I mean, it's people my age taking their kids and trying to get them involved or, or older. It, there's just this apathy that's, that it's like anything. If your team's not successful, you, you, a lot of the time you move on and from an international perspective, you, you, you look for other things to do. But we don't move on from hearts. Now they're at rugby park at the weekend. Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to preview just now because obviously we don't have a, a manager, a new manager. Anyway. We've obviously got Austin McPhee, an interim charge. Uh, had a decent result, of course, against the men in our last game. Um, to me, it's still kind of like, well, you know, what will be will be from the game. You know, you, you obviously want a performance and a result, but there's not that same pressure around it. Now, rather than kind of preview the game um, too much, I'm kind of looking at the fixtures. Now, we've got Kelly away, then we've got Rangers away, and then we're going to run of Livingston home, Motherwell away, St. Johnson home, Celtic home, Aki's away, Hibs at home, Aberdeen at home, and then it's the winter break. Now, I look at that, and I don't know if you agree or not, but I, I'm kind of just looking at the fixtures thinking, right, when, are we, when, when do we want to be sorted, right? New guy in, start to kind of look at building how we're going to play, you know, system-wise, and get players settled into it, because you, you might get that new bounce, but you don't always. I kind of feel like, okay, Killy away, tricky one, if we get something this weekend, great. If we don't, it's not the end of the world, we're not in that position yet. Rangers away, yeah, kind of free hit. If we get something, then, well, wonderful. If not, we're not expected to. It's that Livingston at home game on Wednesday the 4th, our next home match. I would feel, ideally, we would have someone in charge by then. But I don't know if that's just me. Unless you know the ins and outs of the oh, process. I don't, I don't. Hiring my opinion. No, what, my I know, opinion. And, 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 yeah, in an ideal world, you'd have someone in place by now that you, you're able to work with over the international break. But, but we don't. Um, I think it's not as pressing that because we beat St Mirren uh, and we have someone in there that, look, Craig Levine didn't take training on a daily basis. No. It was Austin McPhee. It was John D. So it's not like the players are are, are just twiddling their thumbs waiting no. on someone to come in to be told what to do. So I don't have a problem if they take a little bit longer. No, but therefore I, I, you, you, yeah. you you have to trust. You have to trust, and we we don't have a choice. We we have to trust those making the decision. Yeah, and they I do. will be. I, I, I yeah, just yeah. Likewise, we we don't have a choice, and I, they will be they'll be held accountable by the person that they choose and whether or not they are a success or a failure. So why shouldn't they take their time, in their opinion, to try and get the best person available? I agree. And I, as I, that's why I say I'm not, you know, overly concerned right now. Um, but all I'm looking look at, we've got eight games in December. Now, December could really decide how the rest of the season goes. And we're obviously not expecting to... To, to to challenge for the title or even like the third maybe is a bit further away but I, you know with the right momentum the right things happening you know you could always push up towards those European spots I think that's still feasible but you know December could could really be make or break whether we we end up you know just battling around in the bottom six and may, I, it, maybe it's another maybe it's another taking us you know a step back to take two steps forward, I don't know. But I'm just looking at December and I feel like there's so much going on in December match-wise. 
we're very guilty of this. I don't know if it's just as a nation, if it's just us as Scots, if it's a, a human trait of, of kind of saying, oh, well, we can maybe get fourth or we can maybe get third. Um, that Sports Sound podcast um, discussing Jack Ross taking over at Hibs and Tom Inglis was saying, well, if he gets fourth, it's, it's definitely a success. If he gets fifth, blah, blah, blah. I mean, let's just worry about what's around us right now because it's so... And it's annoying, as I mentioned it before, it's annoying as us as journalists when people uh, or when managers say, I'm not looking any different or any farther ahead than, than the next game. Um, it is a tough December. It's going to be a tough December for, for whoever. Jack Ross has got the benefit of going into Hibs and um, they've got a kind of tough uh, Christmas period. But until then, they've got some, some very winnable games. Um, we've got the tough period coming up. Then we've got some winnable games. Then we've got another tough period. But what is a winnable game for Hearts? And that's why I'm thinking, let's just worry about what's around us right now. We are only as good as your St. Johnstons, your Hamiltons, your St. Mirrens. We might have beaten them 5-2, but we've, we've, we should have lost at home to, to Ross County. We haven't played well against Hamilton. So rather than looking up the other end of the table right now, surely we should just try and get our house in order and forget the fact about European qualification. That that will come if we go on a run, but let's let's maintain a run that's already started. We're one game in, and then we can push forward. Let's let's not look too much uh, further ahead than that right now. Okay, before we go, very quickly, um, I thought it'd be worth mentioning the fact that the the Hearts accounts came out and um, you know very very positive on the whole to. To see the figures, which um, you know highlighted over twenty percent increase in turnover, um, a lot more in terms of commercial revenue coming coming in thirty one percent and twelve percent increase in gate receipts. So there's a lot in there when the accounts come out, and I know we look at it, and there's obviously this benefactor money that comes in, which you know if you take that out, the accounts don't look quite as rosy, but there's always going to be a degree of the benefactor income or at least a lot of it can be attributed to us spending a little bit more on things so if the money wasn't there we wouldn't have necessarily had the same outgoings and costs i want to highlight a few things that i because i think some of the big things to take from this are things like the gate receipts this is obviously where a lot of our income comes from and we look at the I went back and I've looked at all the other accounts of the last few years and you look at the first season back in the Premiership, um, 4.3 million gate receipts when I were up to almost six. So it's an increase of about 37% in gate receipts compared to that first season back up, which I thought was really impressive. But I guess a really big impressive thing is our commercial revenue, which is obviously not our TV revenue, not our you know prize money, um, not sponsorship or gate receipts so money we're making from other avenues which was very low if you look at the championship season 1.3 million up to about 3.8 almost now so increase from say the season we went up to the premiership by almost 90 percent and i think that you know for all the criticisms that have been aimed at the likes of Ann budge and you know we've we've done it ourselves a couple of times and i think with justification i think when you look at that it does really highlight some of the important things about the business. I mean, you look at the, I mean, the turnover the first season, at the end of the first season the, when we went down, obviously she only took over later on in that. Six and a half million turnover. Turnover's over 15 million. 
I mean, and I know there's obviously certain things if you break it down, but even that in itself is 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 quite impressive to to be building the top line of the company in that manner. I think, and you've always got to highlight the fact that you know, whereas she's you know admitted herself, footballing wise, it's, she's she's not as knowledgeable as. As, as, as maybe she'd like to be in that sense, but business-wise, she does know what she's doing. And I think a lot of these figures are, are very impressive and it just shows the potential there with the club. And we know we're coming up to a year, and she said it herself already, that there will be a dip. They won't be as impressive in the next financial year. But we've got so many things right at the club right now. If you yes. add in, if you add in... You know, success on the park. I think you could just show how far you can grow. And realistically, I know Aberdeen have done so many things right in recent years, but there's no reason why we can't say, right, our aim should be, not necessarily this season or even next season, but our aim should be to establish ourselves as the team that is always sitting in that third spot and maybe even then starting to look at, well, how how much further can you go? Where can Can you realistically push up? I know you have to do step by step, but I think the foundations are in place. Cup runs and benefactors both helped immensely. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be one of these people who, and th- there will be some, that once you've made your mind up about someone, there is there is very little turning back um, about your your viewpoint over that person or, or, or persons. This taken um, individually with the results have been exceptional. We have all lived through in the near past, not some dark, distant past, but in the in the near past, within the last decade, we have all lived through our football club under Vladimir Romanov, where every single one of his seasons, the wages to turnover ratio sat at more than 100%. Yeah. That is why we ended up having to go cap in hand, having to have and Budge come in, having to have the help of the Foundation of Hearts and save our hearts. Um, before that, I know that was that was different, but the Foundation of Hearts this time, with Anne Budge, with the benefactors, because of complete and total fis- financial and fiscal mismanagement under uh, Romanov and his, his gang, we are now in a much firmer financial footing. Uh, the money that the supporters and whether it's been every, everyone's a benefactor that, that gives money to the club, whether you give 3.75 million and, and that comes off the accounts or goes towards hearts or, or whether you give five pound a month, you're, you're helping the football club by, by doing that. And without that, I don't think there would be a football club. And if there was, it, it certainly wouldn't be as, it's not in root health because Anne Budge admitted that are, there are certainly challenges on the yeah. field. But I think off the field, um, if you want to criticise whoever you are, then, then fine. You're entitled to do so. But there comes a time. It's nice to be nice, boys and girls. And when you get some positive news like this, don't think about, oh, it's not going to be the same next year. We're not going to do a cup run. What happens if the benefactors leave? This is the, these are the figures. Turnover in excess of $15 million, a 31% increase in income from commercial activities. And by the way, that there is one of the reasons why Craig Levine is no longer at the football club as, as manager. Because mm-hmm. there is no way, with Hearts playing the way that they were playing under Craig Levine and getting the results that they were getting, that there would be a 31% increase in income from commercial activities for the next set 
of fiscal figures. So well done to them for, for getting hearts on a much more stronger financial footing because the choice is simple. Do you want to go back to when hearts wages to turnover was more than 100%, which is twice as much as financial experts recommend? If you want to go back there, fine, because I don't. Yeah, and it's interesting to see we've, you know, if you look at the growth, for instance, I'm not going to go into too much more, but when we went up, with the season we came up, our turnover was under 10 million. Um, and we've obviously gone up to about 15 million, which is a what, 51% rise. Staff costs have gone up slightly less than that. So almost the same, about 49%. But that's key that we're growing. And obviously our costs are going to go up, but the top line's going up with it. So yes, there's 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 other things to factor in, but... I think on the whole, you've got to look at it as positive, and let's hope when the footballing side of things is obviously up there with the commercial side of the things, then everything will grow even more. And um, yeah, you know, we've we've got the potential. We just need to realise it. I think. Okay, so I don't know if we've got much more to discuss this week. Obviously, no uh, hearts match action but we will next week when they return to the field away to Kilmarnock at the weekend um, yeah I think I think we're all good we maybe Mark you know with all our kind of mumping and moaning about Scottish things maybe maybe we need to be re-naturalised is that a thing? Renaturalized. well you know, you, uh, you, you, you're, know. you're in the States and now you're a full blown yank and uh and I just don't seem to care about Scotland anymore. Despite well, they won. Th- they won 3-1. They did. So, so that's pleasing. And just remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Michael Smith made a score <laughs> for Northern that. Ireland. And they've just been horsed by Germany 6-1. So, yeah, just be careful. Be careful what you wish for. This weekend, Kelly's an interesting one. Because they started off poorly, knocked out of Europe early. They've picked up. Alessio, recent manager of the month. Yeah, who was um, he? Who was he, yeah? <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's, how many Kelly fans, when they appointed Stevie Clark, were like, well, just whoever it is and whenever it is, just give them a week. We don't have patience, but just just give them a little pa- a little bit of patience. And for Austin McPhee this weekend, even if you if you don't want him to get the job, if you do or whatever, just let's, let's play with without any pressure this weekend. And, and see where it takes us because do you know what if we don't defend that well if we all if we score more then then who cares just let's get some goals on the road because away from home i don't want it to go back to when it was just horrible away from home Let, let's let's get a win down at rugby pool. what's your what's your gut this weekend you got a good feeling about this game <laughs> just i really do not know what to expect good one isn't it Good win last time, but I thought there was, um, yeah, there was still some flaws to iron out, and we're playing a better team, um, and we're away from home, so I, I would probably take a draw at this point, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we won. I equally would not be surprised if we lost. Kilmarnock struggle in front of goal, but then so did St Mirren before they came to Tynecastle. On paper. You're thinking a one goal either way, or maybe two goals in the game, Max, aren't you? I think it'll be one-one. Yeah. That's not the end of the world. We'll see what happens anyway, and we'll talk next time. Um, and I'm sure there'll be the usual tangents and such like. But in- 
till then, um, thank you and and goodbye. Maybe we'll play the Scottish national anthem this week.